This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. All right, let's hit these four games before Sunday. We have the Packers and Lions, uh, then the Cowboys and Commanders, and the Seahawks and 49ers. Let's start with the Packers and Lions. On the Packers side, A.J. Dillon will be the starter. Tough matchup. The Lions are allowing... The th- allowing uh, 3.5 yards per carry to running backs. That's the third fewest in the NFL. They've allowed the fifth fewest fantasy points per game to running backs as well. Um, not great. Okay. I yeah. do think the matchup for Jordan Love isn't bad, though. So he's a solid streamer for me. If he can move the ball a bit, maybe Dylan can see some carries near the goal line that could save his day. Uh, you know, whatever. Like, That's we'll what see. Come but down are, are, are you cool? <laughs> are you cool playing Jordan Love in this one if you need a quarterback? Yeah, the matchup isn't ideal, but I'm perfectly fine just playing him as a second QB, you know, in super flex leagues. I think he's a really solid streamer. I mean, that's what he's been for the most part, you know, in every game he's played so far besides that three interception debacle in Las Vegas before the bye. But since that bye, he's averaging 17 points a game, four top 15 finishes in the past five weeks. Can't really, you know, knock him for that. He's one of those players where, you know, they're not that good in real life. If you watch him on Sunday, it's like, this guy is not good. <laughs> you, know, you just look at the team, the way they're playing. It's, he's, he's not good. He did beat the Chargers, but who didn't beat the Chargers this year? As a fantasy quarterback, though, he can get it done. And I also think that last week for Lions showed that they're not infallible. The Bears are an objectively bad team, and they took the Lions to the edge last week. I think the Packers are still plenty scrappy. I think they have the potential to do the same thing tomorrow. And that means Jordan Love is going to have to play serviceable football. And I think he's perfectly capable of coming through in a pinch. So the way that Jordan Love has been producing, he has been consistently a mid to low QB2. And if you need him to start for you this week, there's nothing wrong with that. He has shown some upside as well because it looks like the passing game is getting its feet underneath it again a little bit these past two weeks. You're using Jaden Reed, which is an in- he's an interesting play this week as well. Yeah, I, I have Love as my QB 12 in the week. The Lions have given up the six most fantasy points to quarterbacks this year. 
Uh, and you mentioned Jaden Reed. He was placed on the injury report with a chest injury. Uh, as long as he plays, I think he's the preferred Packers wide receiver for me at this point. We talked about it on the waiver wire show yesterday. Two top 12 finishes in a row. Should you ha- should have you considering him if you need somebody. He's a low-end wide receiver three play for me. Uh, and Romeo Doves is like a flex play. Touchdown dependent, basically. You know, you're hoping he finds the end zone like he's had in four of his last five games. Um, yeah. Now, on the Lions side, Jameer Gibbs is an RB1 play, right? The matchup is great. His usage is great. Don't overthink it. He's in your lineup. David Montgomery, remember, it was the Packers who, you know, who, who, who against them, he had his 32 carry three touchdown performance against in week four. Uh, and the Lions weren't even at home. They're at home for this one. Um, not saying that he has that type of upside anymore. But he should still be in lineups as well. I have my I have him as, as my RB twelve on the week this week. So so I'm pretty yeah. high on him. Yeah, I, I would be too. Like just look at the way that this running back room has shaken out these past four weeks. Like this is the split in the Lions backfield that we were all begging for earlier in the season, and we finally have it. You know, Jameer Gibbs should be able to overcome any limitations in the ground game with work in the receiving game. He had a low carry total last week, but he was able to overcome that. And I think that we can continue to expect him to do that moving forward. We know the type of talent he is. And if you're going to be a touchdown dependent, you know, early down running back like Dave Montgomery is, like I think Detroit is about the best place you can be in that role for fantasy. Like it's like the Najee Harris, Jalen Warren situation on steroids, plus Dave Montgomery, he's just efficient on all of his touches. You know, they're both very good running backs. I don't think that there's a way that you can hold either of them out of your lineup at this point. Like you're, you're not going to overthink it and be like, okay, well, this might be a Jameer Gibbs game, so I'm going to pull Dave Montgomery out. You probably don't have both of them, but the two players, the two managers that have these Lions running backs are going to be putting them in their lineup every single week because both of them have RB1 upside every single week. I do think that both of them have astronomical upside, very solid floors. Everyone's a happy camper right now with the Lions running backs. I think that there are cases moving forward. We might see Jameer Gibbs take over a game here or there. We might see Dave Montgomery take over a game here or there. Because if Dave Montgomery scores two touchdowns in a game, that probably means Jameer Gibbs is having a quieter game. But I think they're both you know, good enough to the point where you're not going to have any problems starting them. Um, it's also worth noting that Jameer Gibbs has been on absolute terror these past four weeks. Just throwing this one out there. Overall RB1 in points per game since week seven. Like that's the talent that we were telling you to draft. It didn't happen in the first few weeks, but now he's got everything working in his favor. This is exactly what we were looking for for Gibbs. And hopefully you were able to hold on to him dur- during that uh, slow stretch to start the season. What about Jared Goff? He had a tough time against the Bears at home last week. He has another divisional game this week. Are, are we trusting him again as a low-end QB1? I think so. You know, I'm not going to let what was obviously just an off game for the Lions overall just cloud my judgment of Goff moving forward. It was his first multi-interception game in the season, but even then, you know, he was able to turn turn things around, save the day for his fantasy managers. I think he had 16 points. So, like, that's perfectly serviceable. And in a and a matchup you could say he played really badly in, I think that's pretty good. You know, it looks like he's going to be able to do that on a weekly basis. He's one of the most consistent producers at the position this year. I think that type of production is what you drafted him for. You know, Jared Goff, you didn't, you weren't really chasing this huge ceiling, but you were chasing that consistent, solid floor with a little bit of upside. And with the number of weapons surrounding him, you can't really say he doesn't have that upside. Green Bay is only allowing the seventh fewest fantasy points to QBs this season, but the Lions offense is good enough to overcome that, if you ask me. Plus, in two Thanksgiving Day games with the Lions, golfers thrown two touchdowns in both over the past two seasons. So clearly he has a thing. He can play on Thanksgiving. There's just a little, you know, statistic out there because it's Thanksgiving. But I think it's a pretty safe number to assume in this matchup that he could hit two t- two passing touchdowns, especially given that this is, you know, a really great supporting cast. Ramir Gibbs could take anything in the house at any time. Amon Ross St. Brown. Sam Laporte has been quiet. He might be due for a touchdown this week, too. 
you're starting Amon Ra. You're stashing Jamison Williams. Um, and, and Sam Laporta, two down games, like you mentioned, out of the bye. Uh, Packers are a neutral matchup for tight ends. I think he's the lowest in my rankings for all the must-start tight ends, like the Trey McBrides, the George Kittles, the Dalton Kincaids. Um, I do have him over Jake Ferguson and Dalton Schultz, though. Does that sound about right to you? Yeah. I mean, the targets have come down a bit since the bye for Sam Laporta. But if the price of Jameer Gibbs being fancy relevant, having a substantial role in the passing game, is Sam Laporta being a low tight end one as opposed to being a high tight end one, I think I'll happily take that trade off. You know, McBride and Kincaid, they're the two target share warriors right now. They're getting a bunch of targets. And it's great to see that, like we mentioned last week with the tight end position, it's, it's been for a long time. Um, especially Mark Andrews going down, that's going to make things even more difficult. So those tight ends are going to be moving up the rankings even more. But I also agree that Laporta needs to be higher than Ferguson Schultz because A, you know, what we're expecting from the Cowboys this week, which we'll get into, and B, just a really volatile week-to-week target share for Dalton Schultz. Like He's scoring touchdowns, but his production over the past two weeks has felt a bit too efficient given his utilization. Just a couple targets last week, he scored that touchdown, saved his fantasy day. Laporta is still being consistently utilized, even if the production hasn't followed these past two weeks. And I'd rather bet on production for Sam Laporta catching up to the utilization that he's getting than overproduction like on Dalton Schultz's part to continue unlimited work. Yeah, no, I totally understand that. And by the way, guys, our full positional rankings and flex rankings are available on our website. Uh, it'll be updated updated daily throughout the week and then all the way into Sunday morning. Okay, uh, so that's upperhandfantasy.com for those rankings and a lot more. Um, and also, guys, like, you know, it, you know, if you have players going on Thanksgiving and you're not sure if they're going to play on Sunday, you know, obviously the safe thing to do is just to go with the guy who's playing on Thanksgiving, right? Like, because you're like, oh, man, like, is Devon A-Chain going to play? Like, I have Brian Robinson and I really want to play A-Chain, but Gibson's not playing. Should I just play Robinson? It's like, yeah, probably you should, right? And, and yeah. Because we don't know if Devon A-Chain is going to play. Now, uh, there we just got a, a little bit of an update from Mike McDaniel saying that Devon Agent is going to practice today. My assumption will be it's a limited practice, especially since it's a Wednesday. And uh, you know, we'll see. Um, actually, no, they play on Friday, right? So, right, today's practice is going to determine what happens on Friday. So, so you'll probably get an update on that. But a lot of guys who are playing on Sunday, you might got, not get an update for them. So, to play it safe, you might just want to play with play the guys on thanksgiving not play i was gonna say play with the guys on thanksgiving that's not what i was what i meant to say play with <laughs> play play them on thanksgiving right. um oh let's just a question you talk yeah. about just quick it's just because it's thanksgiving you know we're talking about playing with the guys uh <laughs> that sounds bad <laughs> do you have like a turkey bowl that you play with, with i used to ever have like a um, game and, and, and play? it's making me feel old but like i used to <laughs> play every thanksgiving morning like w- w- with the guys Every right. morning we used to play football. Now how many years um, did that go? You, you, would you say? Did you have like? Oh my did you have like a trophy it, that you passed around? For ten, like no, rights? no, 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 nothing like that. You know, it was just like bragging rights. Ten plus years, though, man. Like it's That's been crazy. a long time. Yeah, I, I haven't had that in a little while. I mean, since like COVID. Like I, obviously, I was much younger. You know, I was probably fifteen, sixteen, um, the last time that we played that. But COVID happened, and it's like we stopped doing. It. It's like we need to get that going again. Turkey bowl definitely has to happen. But I, I'm just, I was just curious because like. That's another thing I forgot because like that's how you you wake up in the morning you, you play in the turkey bowl and that like transports you to watching football you know you, you miss yeah. all of the setup before that all that stuff and I'm sure best. because you're setting stuff up you're planning you're hosting it's much different much more difficult to have any type of turkey yeah bowl. well it's usually also it's like I'm not w- I'm not I don't live near my childhood friends anymore right like I live in New Jersey now when I lived in New York in Queens like all of us used to just walk to the park like we would yeah that's like fair. there'll be like twenty of us. 25 of us walking especially for thanksgiving 
you know, we would play almost every weekend sometimes during football season. Like we'll play on Sunday morning also. Yeah. So we'll play and we'll play in tackle football, like with no with no pads, <laughs> nothing. Like it was, was intense, great. dude. Uh people get hurt all the time, but we didn't care, man. It was so much fun. I would play you have to put out injury reports in, in between weeks. <laughs> For us, yeah, pretty much, man. Pretty much. So people <laughs> got hilarious. like really hurt. Um, and we probably got concussions, all that. Like, who knows? Like, but yeah. you know, we used to play and, and on Thanksgiving, that's when everybody came out, right? And then we would probably have to go to a different field, maybe drive over to a different field because uh we needed a bigger field right right um, yeah. but yeah like every single year like i don't know for from the ages of maybe uh, we were like 14 up until like you know mid-college maybe like we were probably like 20 21 22 maybe when you know, when we kind of stopped you know but like yeah like in queens we would just walk to the park you know um we would, we would go to cunningham park in queens or we would go to um you know um I'm testing your plushy meadows lore <laughs> plushy meadows park oh man it was the best it was the best man it's crazy but thanks for bringing that up because really really good memories we you know you just love playing football on sundays love playing football on thanksgiving it was the absolute yeah. best man but not anymore now now i'm a responsible dad an adult and husband <laughs> and caretaker that's 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 what i do now so it's yes. a completely different life i'm which, m- much uh, cooler job i'm sure <laughs> No, no, not really, no. not at all. <laughs> it was so much more. It was such, so much yeah. more fun to play f- football on Sundays. All right, let's hit this Commanders Cowboys game. Um, Cowboys are eleven point favorites in this one at home. The matchup on paper absolutely ridiculous for Dak Prescott and Ceedee Lamb. I have Dak as my QB one on the week. I have Ceedee Lamb as my wide receiver one on the week. Um, you know, you can also play Brandon Cooks if you want as well. We don't see any reason why the Cowboys would take their foot off the gas. They, they've had their opportunities to do that in the, in the past, and they haven't. Okay, Washington is one of the worst teams against wide receivers. Cooks can take advantage after the report we saw a couple of games ago. I have him as a low-end wide receiver three, but just overall, like, this passing attack can absolutely go apeshit in this week. Yeah. <laughs> it feels almost too good to be true, doesn't it? <laughs> like, every yeah, time I look at this, I'm like, this is too perfect a matchup. I think we're, like, setting them up with this huge alley-oop, and we're expecting them to right. slam dunk this thing. Like, they have to. How does the have hottest to. fantasy quarterback and the hottest fantasy wide receiver walk into a matchup like this against the Commanders on Thanksgiving? It's at home. Like, Dallas has straight yeah. up dominated their opponents over the past four weeks at home. They've played two games. Dak has scored 39-plus fantasy. Not Dak. Scored 29 plus fantasy points in two home games the past two times they played at home. CD Lamb has 39 plus fantasy points in each of their past two home games. Like the commanders are allowing the third most fantasy points, like you mentioned, receivers, the most points to quarterbacks. The Thanksgiving puns, they're all very strongly warranted in this one. If Dak Prescott isn't carving up the commanders with CD Lamb before he carves up his Thanksgiving turkey after the game, like there's going to be a riot. If Tommy DeVito can throw three touchdowns against the commanders on the road, then Dak Prescott better have six touchdowns this week. And like you mentioned, I'm a big fan of Brandon Cooks this week as an upside flex play. Still don't want to trust him as like that wide receiver three just yet because I think the target share, he has one game where he's had like a legit target share. Outside of that, he hasn't been targeted that much. Don't expect another 30-point performance like he had two weeks ago against the Giants. But all it's going to take is a touchdown against commanders for him to make good on you putting him in your lineup. Like I said, that's why I like him as a flex. So he obviously has a bunch of upside, but if CD lamb and Dak Prescott aren't scoring a ton of points while I'm sitting there eating my dinner, I'm going to be pissed, double pissed because I'm also a Cowboys fan. There you go. And the matchup for Jake Ferguson isn't necessarily amazing, but his route participation has been above 80% in four of his last five weeks. He's had a tight end one finish in three of his last four games. So I think he's a solid tight end one this week. But, uh, you know, I mentioned 
uh, <coughs> excuse me, I'm playing the must like the normal must start tight ends plus Dalton Schultz over him this week. Who would you start between him and Dal- him or Dalton Schultz this week? Uh, I, I would probably go with Dalton Schultz. And yeah. when I, I kind of alluded to it earlier. Like Jake Ferguson, I, I want to say he's going to do well, but assuming CeeDee Lamb is cooking, you know, and Dak Prescott's throwing it well, I, I don't think Dalton, uh, not Dalton Schultz, Jake Ferguson is going to be one of those guys where he's just like being dialed into. Like Brandon Cooks, we saw that happen the last time. I think there's a better chance that Brandon Cooks out-targets Jake Ferguson right now than there is the other way around. So for me, I think it makes sense to have Dalton Schultz over him this week. Yeah. Um, you know, Tony Pollard finally caught a touchdown. No, well, he scored a touchdown last week, finally. Yeah. How, how do you feel about him going into this matchup? I think it's going to take a lot of things going wrong in the passing game for Pollard to finish as an RB1 this week. <laughs> you know, a lot would have to go wrong. Like, we saw him come through last week in a matchup that was clearly geared towards him in the Panthers. They were pretty stingy on the back end, but they're soft in run defense, and Tony Pollard was able to come through. But as we've seen since Dallas has come out of the bye, and you mentioned this earlier, you know, why take your foot off the gas? They're a pass-first offense right now, and if the passing game isn't working, there's not if the passing game is working, there's not really going to be any need to run the ball. You know, they're not going to over-prioritize giving the ball to Tony Pollard if the passing game is on fire. There's no winning situation for Pollard in this one in terms of the game script unless it's competitive throughout. And if Dallas goes up early, he's going to be standing on the sideline in the fourth quarter. There's touchdown upside here, but like you mentioned, the Cowboys are 11-point favorites. It would take a titanic meltdown on the Cowboys' part for Pollard to be the center of the offense. That would mean that the game's close, and that wouldn't be good news overall. His workload has been that of a running back complementary to a passing game that's on fire. He hasn't had more than 15 carries since week three. He's a mid-RB2 in my book, maybe a low RB2 at this point, just based on the utilization. Last week was his first real, like, you know, solid game in the past four or five weeks. So I'm not trusting him too much. The way that the Cowboys offense is geared right now, it's past first offense. Tony Pollard isn't going to be the center of, of attention. Yeah, I have him as my RB18 on the week, so solid RB2 for me. It's no, it's worth noting that Enrico Dowdle hasn't practiced this week with an ankle injury. It's possible that he doesn't play in this one, but but we'll see. He's probably going to have a questionable tag going into the game, but we'll see what happens there. Uh, on yep. the commander side, we talked about Brian Robinson already, but Terry McLaurin, don't love him this week. Um, you know, they're probably gonna be passing a lot, but like, you know, if they get into a negative game script, that pass rush is gonna go apeshit, you know, against 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 Washington. Um, already yep. a team that gets sacked a ton. Um, so you know, I I, I have downgraded McLaurin to a wide receiver three, and I kind of want to stay away from both Curtis Samuel and Jahan Dotson this week. What are you thinking for Sam Howell though? I'm interested because he's going to be dropping back a lot, you know, and he's probably going to be passed first. And he's had a solid fantasy floor. He's the current QB three right now in terms of total points. Obviously, he's played all 11 games, so it's kind of a little misleading. But it, it same thing goes for, you know, his points per game. He's doing fine, 19 points per game. Like, where are you staying with Sam Howell in this one? Like, I'm sure there's a world where he doesn't come through if the Cowboys game, if the Cowboys can dominate them. But there's also... It'll be a negative game script. He'll be throwing the ball a lot. Like, is there something to be had with the potential volume here? Do you think? Yeah, yeah, there can be. Um, I'm just worried that he's going to be on his ass all, all the entire game. That's my that's my only worry here. Um, otherwise, I think he can get it done. Now, I have him as a QB two this week, like a solid QB two. So I have him pretty down in the ranks th- this week personally. Um, right. So I, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in him, just because this Dallas defense is is that good. Um, yeah, I just his weapons also have tough matchups, so I, I'm a little bit worried about Howell in this one. So, me personally, I think I'm looking for another option. All right, 
That makes sense because I have him in our league, so I'm probably going to end up starting him just out of necessity. But that, thank you. I yeah, appreciate the, appreciate the advice. <laughs> yeah, 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 and the vote of confidence. Um, yes, 49ers and Seahawks. Uh, we mentioned that Geno might not play, uh, and how that can affect these wide receivers. You know, we want Geno to play so that this game has a chance of being competitive. Um, but obviously, on the other side, CMC is in. Brandon Ayuk is in as a solid wide receiver too. Not the best matchup in the world for him, but he should be in your lineup. The Seahawks have done pretty well against wide receivers lately. Debo Samuel, uh, I, I I have him as my wide receiver 28 on the week, kind of low. Um, but just remember that, you know, first of all, every wide receiver is playing this week, <laughs> right? Like all, yeah. there's no teams <laughs> on by. Uh, so that changes the ranking significantly, but only four targets in the last two weeks. Um, you know, so, you know, yes, he can get some usage in the red zone and the run game and all that. You're kind of depending on that though. Um, you know, three catches and one carry, four catches and three carries over the last two weeks. Not the best usage in the world for him. No, and I don't think that there would be any type of discussion about having him ranked any higher, let alone this high. You know, if this wasn't Debo Samuel, we were talking about the talents right. there. Don't, don't, don't get it wrong. The offense is very good, but it's clear at this point that Purdy is two preferred targets over Debo you know, in the pecking order and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle. And you can even lump Christian McCaffrey in there because all three of them have a higher target share than Debo's 18% tar- target share of the season. You know, I don't think that's enough, you know, just saying, okay, well, Debo Samuel is this great talent. He is, but I don't think you can hang your hat on that at this point with the quiet games that he's had, you know, and then also just like you mentioned, utilization not being there. You look at CMC, he has 19% target share in the season. Kittle's at 21%. Ayuk's at 27%. Like, I don't think this feels low for him at all based on what we've seen. So if you if you take out the context of this is Debo Samuel, you look at the numbers, just get rid of any bias that you might have because of the name value, and this is a receiver that probably would be a lot lower. Yeah, no, 100%. The reason why he's not is because Kyle Shanahan likes to use him on end of rounds and runs near the goal line. <laughs> That's pretty much right. <laughs> why I have him this high. Um, what about Brock Purdy? Like, is, is he a solid QB1 for you this week? Like, Would you rather start him or would you rather start Jared Goff? I'm going to go with Purdy here. And the thing is, these are two very, very similar fantasy quarterbacks. You know, their ceilings aren't monumental, but they're both getting it done every week at a high level. Purdy's on a hot streak, whereas Golf, you know, he's hit some bumps in the road recently. He's overcome them, but I still trust Purdy more in this matchup against the Seahawks. In two games against the Seahawks in his career, including the playoffs, Purdy's averaging 25 points per game. I think that this is another game where the 49ers just dominate throughout. The way that Purdy's been playing, six touchdowns, no picks. He's passed two games, three touchdowns in each of them. Like he's back on it after a rough stretch, you know. After going five and zero, of course, the last time they fit, they they beat the Cowboys in three straight losses. He didn't look very good. He's back to doing his thing. He's getting the ball to his playmakers, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, like you mentioned. Everything's firing on all cylinders. I, I like the matchup more. I think that there's a higher ceiling to be had, especially if Geno Smith plays. I think the Seahawks have a better chance of keeping things competitive with the 49ers than the the um, Packers have with the Lions. Because if the Lions go up. They're not going to have to rely on Jared Goff to throw the ball. They're not going to have to push the ball downfield. And the Lions are built to use their running backs more, you know, just in general, where that might not necessarily be passes coming from Jared Goff. It might be Jared Goff handing it to the running backs. They're doing their work in the ground game. He doesn't get points for that. Purdy is going to be throwing the ball. He's been super efficient. I I like Purdy this week over Goff. Let's hit this Jets-Dolphins matchup. On the Jets side, you're playing Brees Hall. You know, we have Tim Boyle as the Jets quarterback. We have no idea what to expect here. But we do hope that he just targets the crap out of Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall. That's his only job, okay? As far as we're concerned, that's his only job. The last time he started games uh, was at the end of the 2021 season. Two games there. Amon Ross St. Brown went 8 for 111 and a touchdown and then 9 for 91 and a touchdown. So, yes, I'm saying 
there's a chance for Garrett Wilson <laughs> to come through. Uh, Tim Boyle is not a good quarterback. Don't get it twisted. Uh, so this is, you know, it, it's just hope at this point. So Garrett, you know, did downgrade him a little bit. He's my wide receiver 24 on the week. That's pretty low for him. Um, Brees Hall is my RB9 on the week. You know, they're going to depend on him. My hope is that he gets the targets. This is not the easiest matchup in the world for him either. Um, but, you know, as long as he's being used in the receiving game, I think he should be good enough. Yeah, someone's going to have to be catching passes from Tim Boyle. And Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall should be the ones that are doing that. If they don't do that, like, it's going to be a really big issue if they don't just force the ball to them at this point. I know you're not expecting the Jets to compete in this game. The Dolphins have been pretty good on defense since Jalen Ramsey came back. Um, you know, they've been pretty darn good. I, I forget the exact numbers, but it's been much improved on defense. I think that Garrett Wilson, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, even though last week, I, I think last week so much went wrong for the Jets that it's easy to just buy into that. Okay, well, we're screwed the rest of the season. But for four weeks before last week, Zach Wilson was making Garrett Wilson fantasy relevant. Brees Hall has been fantasy relevant through all of this. You know, the upside hasn't necessarily been there the past two weeks, but he had two 20-point games before that. You know, so I, I think you don't want to get hung up on what we saw last week. Like you mentioned, Tim Boyle, I'm not saying that this is some guy that's going to be able to come in and consistently produce and make these guys fancy relevant, but you don't want to just throw it completely out the window. Last week was just tough against the Bills. The Bills looked like the Bills that we expected them to play like in the first game against the Jets in the second game. So I think that there is obviously upside here to the point where they're going to be fancy relevant. I don't think wide receiver 24 is that crazy for Garrett Wilson this week. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a downgrade, you know, like, but like you mentioned, oh, yeah. a little bit of a tough matchup now. But also, you know, like like you mentioned, the, the previous four weeks before last last week, right? Wide receiver 14, wide receiver 16, wide receiver 12, wide receiver 14. Those were his finishes. Okay. So like he finishes in the he finished in the top 16 four weeks in a row. You can't ask for more than that, right? In PPR. Right. So Given we're hoping that that could be a similar thing moving forward. But I, I just I need to see it first. It, it just Boyle. shows it's not impossible. That's the thing. And I think a yeah. lot of people are, like I said, are getting hung up on that matchup last week where it's just like you hit rock bottom. But the thing about rock bottom, the only way to go is up. And I think it's going to be much better this week. Even if it's not, it might not be a top 15, 16 finish. But like you said, like it could be wide receiver two finish. It could be a high wide receiver three finish. I don't think he's going to be completely leaving you out to dry with zero points in the game log like he did last week. On the other side of the ball, you're starting Tyreek Hill. You know, Jalen Waddle is my wide receiver 26 on the week. You know, he gets downgraded because of the matchup. Um, I, I also don't really like Tua, by the way. Like, he's way down in my rankings. Um, but I, I'm back in on Devon A. Chain if he plays. Like, this is a tough matchup for the Dolphins overall. But you, when, you, when you have Mike Badaniel scheming up plays, when you have Tyreek Hill, you know, doing what he does, like, anything is possible, right, for this offense yep. to move the ball. Um, so A. Chain is a solid RB2 for me if he plays uh, because I'm not sure if they unleash him, you know, given him, you know, re-injuring that same knee. Um, but he is playable for me if he's active. Um, how do you feel about that situation if he's active and, and where does Mostert fit in? And also talk about Mostert if A-Chain does not go. Okay, so if A-Chain's active, uh, you have to play him. Like, sorry. <laughs> I know you might be like, well, there might be training wheels in this situation and he might not be 100%. But if you're going to put him in, it doesn't take 10, 20. It doesn't take 15 or 20 touches for A-Chain to make a mark. You know, he could have one play and save you your week. He, he's one of those players. He's just lightning in a bottle. He could have three or four touches. That's what it was to begin the season before he got that heavy workload in the game against Denver. Obviously, that was an outlier. But still, he had that 51-point performance. And then the week after that, he had 27 points. So 
I don't think you need him to have a huge workload to make him serviceable, especially if you're putting him in your lineup as a flex. If you have him as a flex, I'm perfectly fine with that. I think that the upside is so good right there that even if he doesn't play full complement of snaps or even like a substantial amount of snaps, he can still get it done for you. The way that, like you, like you mentioned, Mike McDaniel uses these running backs, they're all threats to score at any time. If he doesn't play, or let's see, you asked about Mostert. Are you asking if he, if he doesn't play or if he does play, you won't play? No, well, Mostert's going to play most likely, right? Um, yeah, we know. And by we know the way, by the way, Salvin Ahmed was put on IR, um, so yep. he he's done. Jeff Wilson will be the third string running back now. So what happens? Like, how, how are you treating Mostert if A Chain ends up being out in this game? Uh, he's going to be probably looking at him as a high, mid to high RB two, because yeah. I think there are a lot of Sounds other running right. backs. You know, definitely starting this week that you'd rather start. The matchup isn't fantastic because the Jets are just very good on defense. That's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. And you you mentioned being low on Tua. I don't think it's crazy to be low on Tua because I don't think he's a quarterback that's, you know, I don't want to say he's not capable of ascending and rising to the occasion against a very tough defense, but I think he could definitely, you know, get flustered against very good defense. And, and the Jets are a very good defense. So I don't think it's bad to have him that low. But with Mostert, like I said, I think a high RB2 I don't think the ceiling is much higher because this is a tough defense. And I do think if anybody's going to be moving the ball in the Jets, it's going to be Tyreek Hill. He is truly matchup proof. So given if A-Chan doesn't play, Mostert is going to be a high RB2. I think even if A-Chan does play, it's still going to be relatively the same. I might have Mostert as like a mid RB2. I don't think he gets that much of a downgrade because I do think that they might take things slow with A-Chan. But like I mentioned, it doesn't take more than five or six touches for HN to make his mark in a game. So I would be comfortable starting him even in that situation. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company. 